0: Good morning, West Alabama, and welcome to another edition of West Alabama on Point. This is Town Square Media, Tuscaloosa's weekly public affairs program, where we bring you the people and personalities, events, and issues that impact Tuscaloosa, Northport, West Alabama, the state, the nation, and the world. I'm your host, Don Hartley. 2020 is an election year. The party primaries for president will take place on March 3rd. The runoffs are set for March 31st, and of course, the general election takes place on Tuesday, November the 3rd. Voting is fundamental to a healthy representative republic, and your civic participation is critical to success as a state. If voting wasn't such an important process, segregationists would not have expended so much time, effort, and resources to keep minorities from voting, even after the Voting Rights Act of 1963. There are more than 3.5 million registered active and inactive voters in the state of Alabama. In Tuscaloosa County, there are 143,309. Voting is a fundamental right and people have died in Alabama and Mississippi and other states during the 1950s and 60s in an attempt to obtain that right. But typically, only about 50% of those eligible to go to the ballot box do so. Some political scientist claims the two political parties are okay with smaller voter turnouts because they make campaigning easier and only have to convince a smaller number of people to vote for themselves or their party. Some claim the parties actually work to suppress voter turnout. Others claim people don't feel empowered to vote and think their ballot really doesn't matter. How citizens view the political process is critical to whether they choose to participate or not. For instance, young people are typically plagued by political apathy and thus don't go to the polls in significant numbers. Education is another factor considered to have a major impact on voter turnout rates. The higher their education level, the more people understand the dynamics of voting and the importance of making their voice heard. Wealthier people tend to vote in higher numbers, while the poor often have difficulty just getting to the polls, much less registering. The sad fact is voter turnout in the U.S. is much lower than most other established democracies around the world. Voter turnout in the United States fluctuates in national elections, state elections, and local elections. In recent elections, about 60% of the voting-eligible population voted during the presidential election. About 40% votes during midterm elections. Turnout is lower for odd-year primary and local elections. 2018 turnout was the highest midterm turnout on record at 49.6%. That saw the Democrats take over Congress. On average, Alabama historically ranks 38th among the 50 states and the District of Columbia in voter turnout at 47.5 percent. The South in general has some of the nation's lowest voter turnout rates, anywhere from 40 to 55 percent. In the Northeast, those turnout numbers swell above 60 percent. In the Pacific Northwest, they are near 60 percent. In the Midwest, they see near 60 percent. And in the West, a high of a 58%. So, in the aggregate, voters tend to be older, wealthier, more educated, and whiter than non-voters. Today, our guest is Alabama Secretary of State John Merrill. He's a Tuscaloosa. He's Alabama's 53rd Secretary of State and has served in that position since 2015. Voting in Alabama is the primary point of the Sunday, January 19, 2020 edition of West Alabama on Point.
1: Did you know that every two seconds someone in the United States needs blood? That means more than 41,000 blood donations are needed every day to make sure that hospitals and emergency treatment facilities have enough for patients with cancer or other diseases, for organ transplant recipients, and to help save the lives of accident victims. If you are eligible, it's important to donate blood regularly to help ensure that there is enough blood readily available for patients whenever and wherever it is needed. Since the winter months traditionally yield lower numbers of blood donations, January has been designated as National Blood Donor Month to encourage donors to give or pledge to give blood. A blood donation is truly a gift of life that can help others in your community who are sick or injured, so make your plans to give today. For more information and to find a location where you can donate blood, visit our website at alabamapublichealth.gov.
0: Welcome back to West Alabama on point. Alabama Secretary of State John Merrill is a Republican. He served the Alabama House of Representatives District 62 seat from Tuscaloosa County from 2010 through 2014. Merrill served as a spokesperson for the Tuscaloosa County School District and as a business development officer for the First Federal Bank in Tuscaloosa. John's wife is Cindy and they have two children. Merrill was born in Wedowie, that's in East Alabama. His father served as the Claiborne County Circuit Clerk and Probate Judge. In 1982, he graduated from Claiborne County High School. Merrill double majored in history and politics at the University of Alabama and received a Bachelor of Arts degree in 1987. He interned for the United States Congress from May to July of 1983, where he met Representative Bill Nichols. He became his mentor. The following year, Merrill interned in the Capitol for Senator Howell Heflin between May and July of 1984. The 56-year-old served as the president of the University of Alabama Student Government Association from 1986 to 1987. One of the prides of John's tenure as Secretary of State has been he has visited all 67 counties and is embarking on that effort again this year. Mr. Secretary, thanks for being with us this morning.
2: Don, always good to be with you. It's always great to be home.
0: Before we talk about voting, you recently made the, an abortive run for the uh, U.S. Senate. Give us a little bit of your thinking about uh, why you dropped out. Well,
2: absolutely. You know, we were so excited. We'd received so much encouragement to look at that race. And on June the 25th, 2019, we announced that we were going to run. And I had already spoken to some of the other candidates in the race as well as Senator Sessions who had indicated to me that he would not be a candidate in April and in October when Cindy and I saw him together in Huntsville. And so we were moving on down the track and things were going well. We had county chairs in all 67 counties. We had uh, a great deal of success in our fundraising efforts. We had raised more money than any candidate during the time we had been in the race. And so we were very excited. And then on November the 6th, I was having dinner at the Wash House in Fairhope, and I got a phone call. It said no caller ID, and I usually don't answer those. I let them go to the voicemail and then respond to it. But I did answer that one, and it was Senator Sessions. And he said, John, he said, do you have a minute? And I said, well, sure, I'll make a minute for you. And he said, uh, I just wanted you to know I'm going to announce tomorrow night on Tucker Carlson that I'm going to be a candidate for the Senate seat, and I'd love to have your help. And I said, "Well, Senator, I'm I'm kind of invested at this point." And I said, "You know, we got county chairs in all 67 counties, and we've raised a lot of money." And he said, um, "Well, I'm I'm going to run." And so we thought about it. We touched base with all of our people in the field, and it was clear we still had the support that we needed and that we wanted, but uh, we had to do some more than we were going to be able to do as far as resources were concerned, and. I thought for the good of the party, for the good of our campaign, for the good of our people, we need to make sure that we're doing what we need to do. And I knew this. The bottom line was if Senator Sessions had run in the first place, I never would have been a candidate. And when um, he got in it, it was just time for us to step aside.
0: How about the dynamics of the
2: race right now?
0: Both Bradley Byrne and and, uh, Coach Turberville are – putting a a lot of signs out, getting a lot of TV advertising going. Yes,
2: they have, and they have a well-organized campaign in each regard. Um, I think they're both running as hard as they can, and I think Senator Sessions is in the lead, and I think Senator Sessions will lead the Republican primary, and I think that he'll lead going into the runoff, and I think he'll win the runoff, and then he'll face Doug Jones and defeat him November the 3rd.
0: Of course, Jeff Sessions had, as Attorney General, his problems with uh, uh, President Trump. Trump uh, really talked negatively about him and has said that he will oppose uh, Jeff in the the primaries. And yet
2: you have to remember this, Don, and this is what's so important. Since Senator Sessions made a formal declaration to get in the race on November the 7th, you have not seen one negative tweet. You've not seen one negative statement. You've seen not one negative interaction from the president related to Senator Sessions in his campaign. And that tells you something. And it tells me that the president is going to be there for Senator Sessions when he needs him to be as he moves through this process. And I think that's the bottom line.
0: And I think the president realizes he needs Sessions. Yes, he does. One of the prizes that you have is that you have— regularly visited all 67 counties.
2: Yes, sir, we have. We're very, very proud of that fact. We've done that for seven years in a row. I've done it for eight times overall. This begins our eighth year and the ninth time that I will have been to all 67 counties. Last year, we made 609 unique visits to the 67 counties and very, very proud of that. What do you learn from these visits? Well, look, it enables me to stay in touch with our people where they live to listen to the things that are important to them, to make sure that we are communicating to them uh, the things that we're doing, to listen to them about the problems and concerns that they have, and to see what we need to be given attention to in Montgomery.
0: Of course, we're still weeks away from the party primaries coming up on March 3rd. And now that the holidays are over, the bowl games are over, uh, the public beginning to uh, pivot back toward thinking about uh the alabama uh, primaries what do you uh, have you been able to judge the interest the public has right now
2: well i think it's gaining at this point and i think that that's what needs to be happening because it's so important to make sure that the right candidate is selected and people are beginning to educate themselves we sent out sample ballots today all across the state so everybody can see who will be on the democratic and the republican ballots statewide and they can determine who they'd like to vote for i think awareness is continuing to increase and that vote that'll just be in about six weeks it will be on us before we know it
0: normally it's the presidential race that has the coattails But this year, there's going to be an awful lot of attention on the uh, U.S. Senate race, whoever the Republican nominee is versus uh, incumbent Doug Jones. There's going to be a lot of push uh, from the Democratic side uh, for Jones.
2: No doubt about it. You'll see a lot of national figures coming into Alabama campaigning for Senator Jones and trying to help him retain that seat. It's going to be very difficult for him to do that. He's the first Democrat. That's been elected to the United States Senate since since uh, 1992, when Shelby was reelected as a Democrat. Yeah. And it's going to be hard for him to retain that seat. And I just uh, think it's going to be a very difficult experience for him.
0: But how's that going to impact the, the turnout, you think?
2: Well, I think we're going to have the highest turnout in the history of the state when that vote is cast November the 3rd, 2020. We broke every record in the history of the state with our voter participation in November, November 8th, 2016, with 2.1 million Alabamians going to the polls. And, Don, we're going to be way north of 2.5 million on November the um, the 3rd of this year.
0: One of the things that's on the, a lot of people's minds because it, it got such national attention, and that is uh, interference from foreign interests, even domestic interest, in, in elections. Correct. Uh, and there's a, a concern and a fear about that. How can you allay that the, uh, fear? As
2: well as there should be. But the thing that your listeners need to remember, we're working hard every day to ensure the integrity and the credibility of the process and to make sure that our cybersecurity strength is where it needs to be. We just received a $6.9 million grant from the congress just a week ago Uh, we are going to use those resources to help introduce electronic poll books throughout the state of alabama Uh, that will put us in a position to reduce the wait time and also to to increase security uh, from a technological perspective at the local polling site at all 2499 polling sites Uh, 30-plus counties already have the electronic poll books, but we want to introduce that in all 67. We also want to make sure that people know we've got a dual authentication system that's in place with the voter registration efforts, so we know who is actually accessing our voter rolls, confirming new registrants, and eliminating people that should not be on the voter rolls because they've moved away, they've passed away, or they've been put away. And last but not least, we want to make sure that people know we've replaced all election computers in all 67 counties and our office absorbed 100 percent of that cost we didn't charge that back to any county in the state of alabama and those are things we're encouraged about we're excited about and we continue to look forward to
0: so going over the days a ballot box has disappearing
2: that is correct
0: uh, for younger people out there that have no clue about a ballot box paper ballots once were used. That's right. And a lot of times those boxes would disappear. Uh, they would be under the the porch of uh, the voting uh, polling right. site.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Don, I think it's important for your listeners to, to remember, we still use paper ballots, but we mark those paper ballots and then we use a scan try machine to determine where those votes were registered, and then we retain those ballots for two years after the election is over.
0: Yeah, and that's that's kept on a computer, the, the, those results, after you scanned it.
2: That's correct.
0: The average voter out there probably
2: doesn't understand what the Secretary of State does. No, I think you're right, and one of the things we've tried to do is to raise awareness of what we do do in the Office of the Secretary of State uh, just a couple of things, Don. First and foremost, the Office of the Secretary of State is the oldest office in the history of the state. Alabama had a Secretary of State before we were a state. In 1818, Henry Hitchcock was appointed by our fifth president, James Monroe, to serve as Alabama's first Secretary of State. He served ably in that role in 1818 and 1819. But on December 14th, 1819, Alabama became the 22nd state admitted to the union. And since that time... 48 folks have held this position as Alabama's 53 secretaries of state. Now, our code and constitution give more than 1,000 assigned duties and responsibilities to the person that holds this position. Now, those include but are not limited to the things that we've concentrated on, which are elections, which includes election administration, voter registration, voter participation, campaign finance reform, campaign finance review, All the things related to the elections process. And then building um, business and corporations, licensing, trademarking. If you're starting a new business in our state, you have to go through our office before you can ever hire a person or pay one cent of tax. And last but not least, international adoptions. We continue to concentrate on those areas because those areas most directly impact the lives of Alabamians on a daily basis. We want to be responsive, respectful, and accountable to the people of this state.
0: Of course, in the last few years, uh, voter ID was very controversial, getting a lot of national attention. Uh, a lot of claims that it was an attempt to suppress the vote, that especially uh, racially suppressed uh, sure. votes. Uh, I haven't heard as much about it, especially since some of the court rulings. Uh, sure, and the they're coast. entitled
2: to their own opinion, Don, but they're not entitled to their own facts. And the facts are that in the last four major elections we've had in Alabama, we've broken every record in the history of the state for voter participation as well. And when you're breaking records for voter registration and voter participation, it's hard to argue with what you're doing. 96% of all eligible African Americans in the state of Alabama are registered to vote. 91% of all eligible white Alabamians are registered to vote, and 94% of all eligible Alabamians are registered to vote. Only two words will accompany that presentation. Roll Tide. (laughs) Well,
0: the United States... It typically has the lowest voter turnout of of the world's democracies.
2: That's correct. You know, I was just in Israel about three weeks ago, and one of the things that we saw over there was how their voter participation has continued to increase. Uh, They actually had a second election in September, which you're aware of. Their next election to try to form the parliament in the Knesset will be on March the 2nd. And they anticipate that the voter participation will be even higher again as they try to reach that magical number sixty one in the formation of the government.
0: What did you learn about the the voting process in Israel?
2: Oh it was it was really an educational experience. One of the things that was very interesting was that they do not vote for Benjamin Netanyahu, who most of our people know is the prime minister of Israel, they vote for a party. They vote for the Likud party, which he's a member of. They vote for the Blue and White Party, which is one of the chief opposition parties to Likud. And when that happens, the Likud party has a list of their delegates and who they are and who will serve depending on how many seats they get. Same thing with Blue and White. Same thing with um, Conservative Christian Party. Whatever it happens to be, those people get the seats based on how many people voted for their party. So you don't have direct election of members like we do in the states. And that's something that not everybody understands or fully appreciates.
0: And that forces the leader that's elected, like Netanyahu, to have to build coalitions. Absolutely. Which has been a difficulty for him.
2: No doubt. It's been a major problem this last cycle.
0: What... From what you observe there and other places that you've been, what ideas that, that have you brought back that might work here?
2: Well, look, we've learned a lot of things about how to protect our system, about how to make it uh, more available and more valuable from the technological perspective. Uh, the things that have been introduced to us that have enabled us to be stronger at the polling site. All 2,499 polling sites in the state of Alabama have been invaluable to me. Things I observed in Russia, things I've observed um, in Israel most recently are are so important. We want to take the best that other nations are doing and bring them to the United States and specifically to Alabama.
0: How can we make the voting process better here?
2: Well, We have to continue to find ways to introduce new technology that does not compromise the ability for an individual to make sure when they vote that their ballot is cast for the candidate of their choice and that that vote is counted for the candidate of their choice because that's the one fear that each and every person has. And when we can allay those fears, I think we're well on our way to doing what we need to do. It's always
0: been a concern for people to have functional needs to be able to to have access to to the ballot box. And there have been issues in the past.
2: There have. And we've eliminated most of those. As a matter of fact, we've received awards and recognition for our work with those people in those communities that you're talking about. And we've received support from people all across the nation in doing those things and one of the areas that we have really made marked progress is with our blind and sight impaired voters. We work with Alabama School for the Deaf and the Blind to make sure that we've raised awareness and to make sure that we've increased technological efforts to let their experience be more personable and more independent than it's ever been before.
0: This is not directly about voting but it leads to civic participation and that is, it seems that over the last couple of decades we have backed off on teaching civics to students and it has impacted their knowledge of the society they're in their knowledge of government of their duty as a citizen to go to the polls and vote
2: i think you're right and one of the things that we need to do is to have a higher level of concentration in the area of civics with fourth grade Alabama history first and foremost and then when we were in school we had ninth grade Alabama history once again but having 11th grade civics that's so important to learn about what's happening in the country so that people have a clearer understanding about how it directly impacts their lives on a daily basis you can't put a value on that
0: as secretary of state as being in charge of the election process how about the uh the voting districts and the fact that we may lose a uh, representative in Congress.
2: We may very well. And one of the things that's incumbent on all of us is to participate at the highest level that we can individually in the census in 2020 so that every Alabamian will be counted and that our numbers will be reflective of what our total population is so we will not lose a seat. Our state has continued to grow over the last 70 years. but. We have not grown as fast as some other states at a higher level. We don't need to be like Mississippi. When I was working in Washington for my congressman, Mississippi had six members of Congress, and then they went to five members, and now they're at four members of Congress. Alabama has been at seven since 1970. But in 1960, we had nine members of Congress and two US senators. So it's important for us to remember, we need to do everything within our power, and that's a about completing the census in order to make sure we maintain our current stream.
0: What keeps you awake at night about, uh, about the election process? And about well,
2: something? not necessarily about the elections process, but about being as an effective elected official as I can possibly be and making sure that I'm doing everything that I can do each and every day to make sure we're where we need to be in all aspects of the operation of our office. We're excited about the improvements we've been able to make, about the changes that we have made, about the successes we've experienced. But you can never do enough, and you can never stop working.
0: You've uh, you've been in the national media a yes, lot. Yes, sir. CNN, Fox, uh, uh, mainly on negative things, questions uh, sure. being asked about the voter ID and, and all that. Do you, How do you think the people around the country see Alabama as far as the electoral process? Well, look, one
2: of the things that's clear now is Alabama's viewed as a national leader in the area of elections. And one of the reasons I say that is because three times in 2019, I was invited to Washington to testify before Congress about the great work that we're doing in the state of Alabama. They don't invite you up there just to look at you. When you go, You have a presentation to make, and we've been very excited about the presentation we've been able to make, and the message we've been able to communicate to the members of Congress is we have spoken on behalf of legislation and against legislation that's been proposed in D.C., and We are recognized as a national leader now, and that's where we need to be. You know, one of the things that continues to be introduced to me whenever I'm there testifying is, well, in the 50s and the 60s, Alabama was restricting people's right to vote, or Alabama was deterring people from being able to vote. And and I I tell them unabashedly, uh, Congressman or uh, Congresswoman, look, I can't do anything about what happened in the 50s and the 60s. I wasn't even born then. But I can tell you this. I can do something about what's happened since I've been the secretary of state. And since January the 19th, 2015, when I became the secretary, we've registered 1,417,464 new voters. And we now have a state record, 3,554,906 registered voters in Alabama. Those numbers are unprecedented and unparalleled in the history of the state. I already told you earlier, we've broken every record in the history of the state for voter participation. So what more can you ask for than what we're currently doing? We're going to continue to do that.
0: How about the, the uh, difference between rural counties and the urban counties in voting? Any, any issues there?
2: No, not really, because our technology is the same or has the potential to be the same in all 67 counties. We want to make sure that our rural counties are given every opportunity to participate in all new programs at the highest level they're capable of participating. We have great relationships with all the probate judges in all 67 counties. We want to continue to advance technology and voting opportunities as well as we can in all those locations. With
0: the controversy of uh, foreign meddling in the elections, voting has probably uh, had more attention over the last couple of years than ever. Yes, it has.
2: Yes, it has, absolutely. But the main thing that your listeners need to know is that even though we had Russian hacking and Russian meddling in 2016, they need to rest assured that there were no tabulation changes that occurred in any state in the union. What does that mean? That means that, In Alabama, for example, in the 2,499 polling sites in our state, that when you cast your ballot for the candidate of your choice, it counted for the candidate of your choice in that election. And that was the way it was in every precinct, in every county, in every state, in the union in 2016, where the meddling occurred, where the hacking occurred, was in... Social media and advocating for certain candidates or against certain candidates and trying to cause confusion. That's what we saw and we continue to see that. And we had
0: some media do that, uh, trying to test. Absolutely.
2: But I will say this Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, other groups like that have been very receptive of the suggestions that we've made. We've been able to make a number of improvements and advancements since I became the secretary. Uh, We've got personal relationships with those groups, Facebook and Twitter, uh, especially they're the two premier areas. We continue to work with them to advance technology and to advance the efforts to make it be all it can possibly be to benefit all of our voters.
0: Young people, especially, but even the older folks like myself uh, are, are really involved with social media and younger people by larger numbers tend to believe what they see on social they media.
2: do and they use that as their primary news source and when uh, foreign actors or bad domestic actors are entering that area and encouraging them to consider certain things as fact that can be a problem for all of us
0: appreciate you coming by and uh, sitting down with us for a little bit any that Last words to the voters out there and encouraging them to go to the polls.
2: Well, we just want everybody to know that in order for our Democratic Republic to work the way it was intended to, everybody needs to be a registered voter. They can go to alabamavotes.gov to check their voting status, download the mobile app at Vote for Alabama to register to vote, and check their voting status. Uh, We want them to know that we will see them at the poll.
0: Fellow Tuscaloosa and Secretary of State of Alabama, John Merrill, thanks for being
2: with us. Thank you, Don. (laughs)
0: That's West Alabama on point for Sunday, January 19, 2020. This has been Townsquare Media Tuscaloosa's weekly public affairs program produced by the News Department. Thank you for being with us. Join us again next week when we again bring you the community's points of interest on West Alabama on point. I'm your host, Don Hartley. Have a blessed week.